blue-collar workers and their values. What does this phrase mean to you? Is it personal? Professional? What are the traits of blue-collar workers that we can all learn from? Why are these types of workers in more demand than ever? Think about these questions and formulate some of your own as we launch out onto the loop and discuss on Curiosity Continuum. This is Josh. And this is Brian. Thank you for joining us today on Curiosity Continuum. For those of you tuning in for the first time, Curiosity Continuum is a podcast and movement started by two lifelong friends who want to share conversations with you that explore, examine, reframe common practical topics that spark your curiosity, help you integrate information, and enhance your everyday contextual awareness in a constantly changing world. You can find us on the web www.curiositycontinuum.com. From there, you can find links to listen to us, rate us, follow us on social media, all the things you need to do to get in touch with us and share your thoughts. And on that note, you know, you can rate us on your favorite podcast service where you're listening to us. It also helps us find a new audience when you rate us and you, uh, you know, you give us a, you know, a star rating or you just just tell your friends about us so we can other people can start listening. One of the kindest things and uh, most complimentary things, if you believe that somebody that you uh, love and care about would like to listen to it and you'd like to start your own conversation, that's one of the best compliments you can give Josh and I, that the work that we're doing here is uh, meaningful and practical to you guys, which is our goal. Exactly. That's Couldn't have said it better myself, Brian. That's why I said it, Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> So today we're talking about blue collar workers and blue collar jobs and some of the values that went along with it. And really, this is kind of reframing uh, the conversation that's happening currently in the world where there's so many uh, tech jobs that are emerging. There's a lot of attention. And yet there is this really important layer of what we would call blue collar work in the world. There's a focus right now to make sure that there's these things taken care of because these people actually service the world that we live in and help us to have quality of life. My grandparents were blue collar workers like Josh's and mine were farmers, primarily carpenters, millwrights, that kind of thing. Josh, you're, I know you're one set of grandparents owned a lumber mill and you talked about that in a previous episode, but remind me what your other set of grandparents did. So my um, grandmother was just pretty much a homemaker, stayed at home, um, took care of the house and my grandfather worked for the power company. And he did um, all the lines. Not He wasn't a lineman, but what he did was he would uh, inspect lines for the power company and make sure that, you know, they were clear of debris and all that stuff. He would have to, and he did all the maps by hand before they did them on computers. And didn't you say that the maps that he created are, were used as the uh, kind of the gold standard for the area? Right. And when they, when they switched over to computers, this is after he retired, that they told him that, First of all, his handwriting was immaculate. He had this like just beautiful handwriting and they used his maps because they were pretty much scale. So they could just input them into the computer and they just pretty much overlaid right on top. I will attest to this that Josh has uh, a similar ability to be able to uh, scale things well, although the gift of handwriting did not make it into his generation. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, uh, reminds me of a time we were in... Uh, high school, we had to pass each other's papers back and forth and we had to ask each other what it said on the paper. Like, oh yeah, that sounds actually good. <laughs> we'll give ourselves a grade for it, you know. Um, 
one thing, one person that comes to your mind, particularly in your family, Josh, is your dad, because uh, I knew him as he worked in tech and what he did, but he had other things he did prior, which was kind of in your earlier life, a little bit before you actually moved to Minnesota in the town that we got to know each other in, right? Right. Yeah. My dad, um, he did work for the family lumber mill for a while and he did that going through when he was going through college. So he put him, he put himself through college that way, but you know, he would come home on the weekends and he would come home on holidays and things like that. And he would work with my grandfather and my, uh, my uncle was going to college as well, but they would both come home and work. And my, my, at that time, I think my grandfather had actual employees as well. So they would just kind of like fill a role, you know, maybe give the employees a day off or anything like that. Um, but then he also did, you know, after 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 college and that he was in um, construction for a long time. So he would travel around the like normally around Wisconsin and do uh, construction. And I remember that's when I was really young and he had a CB radio and he would talk to us at night sometimes if he could get through. Um, that was before my second brother came along. That's pretty cool. My d- the the good the good time. <laughs> the good- <laughs> I don't know if brother number two is listening, but <laughs> I know my dad. When he was in the military, he was doing more. Um, when he served dur- during uh, the '60s and things like that, he was in top secret crypto work. So he was actually doing intelligence work. And when he came out of the service. He went into the uh, role of credit manager for a lot of different companies and different things. And so what I kind of saw him do was always more of a, a white collar role. And I think sometimes when you see those things as a child, you go, oh, you know, I, you either probably go, I want to be like dad, or I don't want to be like dad, or, you know, maybe somewhere in between. You're kind of looking at your parents to kind of see the model for what you're, what you might do in your life, just as an indicator. It doesn't mean that we're all the same as our parents, because obviously I'm, I'm very different than my folks, but... Sometimes you look at that and you just pay attention to it. My dad had a friend from kindergarten, and I remember we used to spend our family gatherings together, like on July 4th and things like that, and same age, and he was looking at my mom, was pointing them out, say, hey, they're sitting there, stuff like that, and my friend's, my dad's friend had, you know, was very tan, he worked outside, he owned like a bricklaying company, so in construction, doing a lot of outside physical labor, and then there was my dad, who was the same age, who had a different type of stress lines on his face and everything. And my mom made a really important point. She goes, you know, those two men, they both have stresses. They both have things. It's just a different type of stress in their life. And I think that when you look at how the world is right now, there's more of a focus on the contributions of the white-collar world. And I think we have de-emphasized the importance of the blue-collar worker in today's society. And we're beginning to feel the, the strains of it. Exactly. Like if you would go to another country, I'm just going to use like Germany as an example, even though that they're maybe not the best example of this. But when you're younger and you actually are in school, you identify quite quickly if you want to go to a, you know, a four year university after or a type of trade work. Now, in our society, pretty much ubiquitous, everyone is told go to college. You, you need to go to college. You need to get your four-year degree. That's the only way you're going to be able to, you know, quote-unquote, achieve the American dream. And I don't know if that's doing everybody a, dis- a disservice, but we're starting, like Brian said, we're starting to see the effects of this. And it really, the effects around us um, right now are our infrastructure. 
And that is a huge problem. I mean, we have bridges in this country that maybe haven't been rebuilt since the 30s and 40s or even, you know, some somehow even older. And um, I was reading a report that said if they started doing, the, you know, fixing bridges now with and money was not an issue, it would take like 80 years to fix everything. That's a lifetime. Yeah, it's a lifetime and it's it doesn't have to be that way. So what I'm saying is, are we are we just saying everybody go to college and just like we're not even thinking about these other types of jobs that are valid careers? In our generation, when we were in high school, the it, it was the default position that, well, if you can go to college, of course you're going to go to college, you know, as you're kind of coming into that right. generation. And that was before all the digital things happened. I mean, the internet had only been around for so long and it wasn't public yet uh, terribly as we were growing up with it. So there wasn't the ubiquitousness of like access to all the information, but it was kind of like, you know, the American dream became like, well, this is what it is. It's a four year college, maybe a doctoral degree or something like that. Some of those educational things too, which we've seen in the, in uh, the school systems, everything was really designed around the industrial revolution. When at that time, a tech wave came in and we said, we need a bunch of people to be able to go fill these jobs that we're creating in factories. We're doing things. And you kind of saw the evolution of that come to the current day. You know, people are chasing tech again, and it's a different type of parabola than it was before. But what's happening is that there's an overemphasis on that because we believe that somehow that's going to be uh, the wave of the future. With, and you can't just leave everything else behind. Like, it's an innovation that changes the world, but it doesn't mean the world revolves around it. Exactly. And, I mean, like, when this must have happened in the... Because we, you know, we were, okay, so we'll, we'll date ourselves a little bit. We graduated in the, in the late 90s. But it was around the mid-90s, early 90s, that they really started almost like devaluing this type of uh, of of work. You know what I mean, Brian? From Like from, like if you didn't go to college and you were, you said to yourself, you know what, I just want to be an electrician or I want to be a plumber or I want to work outside, I want to be a farmer, that people look down upon you. And so it was kind of a societal thing at that point. I think so. The, I remember when uh, there was uh, part of the, the school system we were a part of and things like that. You could choose to maybe go like a more technical route. But it was a very small group of people that did. And sometimes what was a sad uh, reality was, was that that school also sometimes was the mechanism for people who weren't doing as well academically. It's like, well, we'll put them at the trade school. And right. you know, it was the amalgamation of the two. Those two things don't equivocate or they equivocate they uh, they equi yeah your intelligence really is no it doesn't mean you're going to go to college or not some of the dumbest people i know have gone to college um i've had classes and some of, the, some of them <laughs> and exactly and i mean and some of the dumbest people i know went to tech school too it's just it's just a person and what they're good at and what they want to do and how much they want to actually um you know push themselves to do something more technical or just more academic. What's interesting. To and I mean, college has a place. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I really feel that if you want to go be a doctor, an engineer, there's like 10 or 15 really good things that you really do need a college education for. But there's uh, 10 or 15 really good things too that you don't need one for. I think where, I'm going to back up and not say I think, where the technology actually swung it back the other way was now you have the ability to be able to almost have a quote, like technical training like if you want to go into coding 
You know, there's a lot of companies now right. that aren't looking for the four-year degree in computer science. What they're looking for is somebody who understands the languages that you're going to work in. The experience. And the experience of doing it. And there are people coming out of high school that have, you know, six years of experience doing something. And they can go out and they can start making their way in the world for that, you know, particular type of work. So the type of work may have changed, but what I like, even though, like, you know, I went to college, I enjoyed my college experience and things like that, but I realized, too, that there are so many times that you get shoehorned into something at that age because you think, like, that's what you want to do. You know, it's like, well, this is right. the money spent. And people don't value a gap year. They don't value, I'm going to go learn a trade, I'm going to go do something, because there's this pressure that if you don't have it figured out at age 18, because Lord have mercy, I did not have my life figured out at 18 years of age to steer the rest <laughs> no. of my life. You know, my life has gone very different than what I had planned. But those, those moments right there, I think, shape people and their, their values are like, well, I can only go do this work. I can only do that. Some of the most intelligent people I've met have been my auto mechanic, has been my plumber, has been electricians, you know, like, you know, here's the college graduate that almost electrocuted himself trying to rewire his fan. You don't want me <laughs> doing that if I want to do it because I don't know how it all works. <laughs> I want to call somebody who knows more than me and I will gladly pay them to come and help me do that. You know, um, the, all the carpentry and millwright and all the other things didn't trickle down to me <laughs> in my, for my particular generation, <laughs> right. those things. But, um, you know, Josh, one of the things that comes to mind when I think about, uh, I tried to really be slick on the transition. It didn't work. You know, if you would have went, I think you would have been able to do it. Okay. You know, Josh, one of the things that comes to mind when I think about like our, um, I guess I put it this way. Our, our friend, John, his dad, Fred had a shop in the town that we lived in and he was a super intelligent guy and he, man, he could make something work really well. And he kind of had an aw shucks type of, uh, you know, just demeanor about him and everything like that. The hum uh, humility. Uh, absolutely. You know, a big dose of that. Yeah. But you knew that if you brought your car to him, I mean, that thing would work and it would work ridiculously well afterward. You know, you could trust him. Yeah. And if he told, yeah, you trusted him. And if he told you it was going to cost $600, it cost $600. Yep. And you might have been kind of cringing at that, but you knew the $600 <laughs> was actually $600 well spent. Yeah. Because he could stand behind his work. You know, the interesting right. thing about, especially now, um, if you put up a website and the, the newsletter form doesn't work, it's like, oops, sorry, I'll fix that. And then, you know, you missed out on maybe some newsletters and things like that. But, you know, no harm, no foul. Fred were to say, oh, yeah, whoops, I, I didn't, I forgot to hook the cable up for the brakes again. Like, that's, <laughs> that's not like a whoops that like you can just yeah. kind of, you know, click a button and it's fixed. Like, you have to be really diligent when you're doing those things to make sure it actually works because there's people's lives and everything else in stake. Same way like a doctor. I mean, I want my doctor to know what he's doing. I don't want the doctor, like you see those ads now where, you know, are you a good doctor? Yeah, I'm okay. You know, <laughs> yes. doing uh, doing a heart, open heart surgery on today, you know, I'm okay. No, you want him <laughs> to say, look, I'm good. And I'm willing to pay the money for that. So why wouldn't we be willing to pay the money for some other skill or tech or just anything that we're, that, you know, you and I maybe, because like, we can't have all the skills. No way. I mean, speak, you know, so why not? value all those skills equally some of it sometimes is the fact that the folks sometimes who are the best technicians aren't uh the ones that are necessarily wired for leadership um in the same way that right. we would think of leadership you know um if you think of a tony robbins or, or somebody who's a very well-known leadership you know uh 
guru or somebody like that, you think about it, well, man, that's a leader. That's what they do. You know, and there's people who are very good at what they do and they're not leaders that way. Again, like being the expertise is not always leadership as we would see it. They can lead at what they do because they're skilled at something. And we need to value and appreciate people for where they are and what they bring to the table with it. Especially in business, and especially when you think of office work or something like that, the most valuable people that I've seen in organizations are the ones that can translate where there may be a, a what-if scenario or vision and leadership and make it actually work in the real world with a real team. You know, when you have all different personalities and all different kinds of things, that translation of it is the really important thing. And so if you miss like an entire part of your, your workforce or way people are wired, you're not going to be an effective leader if you don't, you're unaware of that and understand that everybody has their strength they're bringing to the table. Sure. And I think they're kind of circle back around that these are like, you can get these values and you know, the, the that integrity, you could really learn that from like, like a blue collar worker. Like if you can translate what they do into what you do, or if you're a manager, let's say, or that management person at work can translate that can kind of put themselves in their shoes and empathize with that other person, then I think they can really, you know, break through the ceiling to a lot of different people. Those type of values of, of integrity, hard work, or your, your word is your bond, you're standing behind what you do and you take pride in that in a, a good sort of way. Those are values that the older generations had because they didn't have the uh, convenience of maybe as many options to follow in the world. Like this is what it was and they knew they had to make their way it, what's interesting to see is, as you've kind of seen more of a turn towards self-employment entrepreneurism now, which uh, harkens back to there are certain things that you had to do in those roles to be able to go market yourself, to go sell. So if you look at those folks who have been successful at the work that they do, pretty good people to take to the table to understand how they uh, did what they did professionally for so many years at a high level. And everybody can learn from somebody like that. Sure. So, I mean, I think it's probably a pretty good... Uh place to put a comma on huh, Brian I think so we'll put a comma in the conversation here until next time uh, thank you for listening the challenge for you guys and gals listening is to be open-minded to uh, every type of person and consider what they bring to the table and what you could learn from them and apply it to your own life because I guarantee you there's wisdom waiting for you if you're willing to listen until next time I'm Brian and I'm Josh for curiosity continuum